discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. So this is a third, this is a third Sunday of question and answers. It's amazing. Is it a good thing? Yeah, it's a blessing. And I'm sure some of the things that are coming to my heart to share with you will come up as we, as we ask the questions. Hallelujah. So if there's any question on your heart, you can ask to the glory of God. If it's too sensitive and you don't want to ask it in the microphone, you can send it via the, the, the number on your screens um, clandestinely so that uh, it's a word it's a word my brother has a question and I think there were so many questions online the last time I don't know if those questions still exist but we can we can answer them to the glory of God are you excited to be in the house of God I can feel and sense some excitement in the air it's very it's very nice Yes. Yeah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Um, my question is, um, as a minister of God, can you be a politician? Can you be a politician as a minister of God? Yeah. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel was a politician, isn't it? The Bible says that God made him ten times better. In Daniel chapter 1 verse 17. In all matters of the king. Hmm. Okay. Verse 17. He says, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Have you seen it? Now, look at verse 20. He says, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now, if you read in chapter chapter six, Daniel chapter six, um, from verse one, it says, "It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom one hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. So Daniel was a prophet and also a president. Have you seen it? That the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Have you seen it? Then the presidents and princes sought to find location against Daniel concerning the kingdom because his politics. They wanted to remove him. That's what politicians do sometimes. But they could find an occasion of fault. For as, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault 
found in him. Have you seen it? Yes. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the word of the Lord, or word of his God, or the Lord of his God. There was no error or fault found in him. The only way they, they knew they could get him was to get him through the word of God. So yes, you can get into politics as a Christian, as a man of God. A man of God, right? As you are led. If you are a man of God, as you are led. If you are a Christian too, as you are led. The president of Malawi currently is a reverend minister who has a church. So as you are led, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay? Actually, we need people in, we need people who are Christians to be in, in government. In influential places in government so that the cause of God can be pushed in the way of God. Do you see? Uh, hallelujah. Esther was in government. Esther was the first lady. You know that? Yes. Esther was the first lady. And through her being the first lady, the whole of Israel was delivered at the time, at a very critical time. You see, all the people in government, it's not that they don't want to do the right thing. They have good intentions before they get into power. Uh, but there are powers that be. There are influences that be. That seek to change everything. Uh, and if you are not strong enough, they will change it. You see. Uh, uh, so it's happened to so many people. So if you are going to be a politician, then you should be very strong and you want to do it the Christian way, then you should be very strong in the Lord. Because there are people who are burying cows. Hmm? There's an area in this Accra where a man of God was building a camp site. And that area is known for fetish things and all of that. You know, and there was a stream that passes through the campground and they were dredging the stream to do some other things. As we were dredging the stream, cows started coming out of the stream. Cows. Do you understand what I'm saying? Alive. Cows alive. Camp started coming out. True story. Maybe if you if you don't know, I'll tell you some other time. If you see me privately, I'll tell you. Yeah. Cows. They come out from a certain time in the day. See the cows coming out of the stream. They have done a lot of things over there, so Basically, if you are not strong, they will change you. They will change, your, they will change you. Before you realize you are not in heaven at all. Because you became a politician. Uh-huh. Yet, we can't leave it for those who are not Christians to run our lives. Because they run our lives in a certain way, whether you like it or not. This morning, I was thinking about Sudan. Two people are fighting for power in Sudan. Two generals. President and vice president. The president and the vice president are fighting over who should be president. Yes. And they've displaced everybody in Sudan. When you see people, the, the diplomats in the country leaving, fleeing the country, then you should know that it is not a good sign. All the diplomats have left. You know, because two people have decided that we are going to fight over power. And the place that they are fighting over, they are destroying it. So we don't know what they will inherit after they have finished the fight and someone has won. 
Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So, we, we have to be involved. We have to get involved. And we have to get involved through prayer and through having people who have been called by God to go along those lines, to be bold enough to go and become what God wants them to become. Have I answered you? Beautiful. So I've spoken about Daniel, I've spoken about Esther. Always remember that David was a politician. David was what? He was into peace making and fighting and all of that. He was a politician. David was a king and hence a politician. He needed to have peace accords with different people. He was trying to get a peace accord with Abner, Saul's general, when Abner was killed by Joab, David's right-hand man. So you see many politicians in the Bible. All the kings who, Joseph, for instance, Joseph was a big-time politician put there by God. His time in office saw the president, the, the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, having the most wealth. He was able to buy, get a lot of, everybody sold, people sold themselves over to the, the king. That is how Egypt got to own, the pharaoh got to own all the lands in Egypt. Okay? Uh-huh. So, Joseph is a classical example of a man of God, sent by God. Hallelujah. Yeah, so all these people are um, people who, you know, went into politics. Okay, Hezekiah, uh, Josiah, Azaria. All these, if you read Kings, if you see First Kings, Second Kings, it's politics. Yes, first politicians, second politicians. That's what it is. Okay, uh-huh. so we shouldn't, I mean, the, the crop of Christians who have come don't like to get involved with uh, anything politics. And we sit at home and talk and complain and insult. It would be good if you allow yourself to be chosen by God. Because God is always looking for someone to choose for something. If you allow yourself to be chosen by God, He will choose you to do something that He wants done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Any other question? Yes. There's one online. Okay. When you ask, then we'll go. Thank you, Bishop. How are you? Good. Great. So, with the question that my brother asked about politics. Yeah. So, with my experience that I've gathered, mm-hmm. I think sometimes you are forced to do certain things as a politician, which goes um, contrary to your faith. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. So, like, you are in an office, and maybe your people that you are ruling with, they are pushing you to do something, but you think it's not good for you to do it. But we, they call it politics, and they'll be like, you have to, sometimes you have to put your faith aside and let's face the matter head on. Okay, yeah. so so with something like this, how do you face it and also overcome this um, threat that you receive from your people? Because they are ruling with you and if you don't do sometimes what they ask you to do, they can Charlie, so Daniel chapter 6. The answer, the answer is still in Daniel chapter 6. You see, Daniel was one of the three, there were three presidents and he was one of them. And the others ganged up against him because he, he didn't like the way they did things. And he was doing things the way God wanted him to. So they ganged against him to take him out of power because he was trying to do the right thing. Do you get it? And they ended up throwing him into the lion's den. No bizo. They threw him into the lion's den. And God waited for him to be thrown into the lion's den. God didn't save him when they were doing the plan. He waited for them him to be thrown into the lion's den. Okay? But God, for, for the testimony of the Lord. Okay? So you should know who you are. 
And you should be able to say, I am not going to do it. This is why, that is why God has put you there. So that you can change them. Or you can do the right thing, irrespective of who is what. And ultimately, God will get glory from your life. Yes. That's why I said, as strong, you should be strong. Yes. Because that is why you are there. So that when they say, let's put our faith aside, you tell them. Like Daniel, you see, in, in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, eh? you know Nebuchadnezzar? Daniel chapter 4. Let me read from verse 33. Verse 33 says, The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. Nebuchadnezzar was a, was a king, was a politician, who thought that, you know, he is it. It's his power, it's his whatever that has made him what he is. And God wanted to show him that actually he's not in charge of his life. Okay? The same hour was a, was a thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like bear's claws. He became an, he looked like an animal and he was with the, was with the wild beast for seven years. God was showing him that I am the one who makes people kings. I'm the one who makes people rule. rule. Do you get it? Uh-huh. Verse 34. And at the end of the days of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High. Nebuchadnezzar was blessing the Most High. The things Nebuchadnezzar said about God qualifies him to be in heaven, I tell you. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. This is what God wants to prove to everybody. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Have you seen it? Yes. At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me, according to the word of God concerning his life. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all those whose, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride is able to abase like myself do you see if you read in romans as well the bible says that all authority is established by god romans chapter um, 13 verse 1 let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power but of god the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever resisted the, whosoever therefore resisted the power, resisted the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Have you seen it? Yes. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Would thou then be, not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God. Eh? He's the minister of God to thee for good. Politicians are ministers of God. 
unto us for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he buried not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So this shows that God is interested in, in, in who is ruling. Do you understand? He says that all the powers that be are ordained of God. And all politicians must give glory to God, not to any other person. Acts chapter 12. Look at Acts chapter 12. You'll be surprised that all these things are in the Bible. Are you shocked that all these things are in the Bible? Acts chapter 12, verse 21. This is concerning Herod, who was a politician. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout. So he was giving state of the nation address. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of God, because when he spoke, they noticed that it's like, a certain, it's like, hey, some power was coming. And he said, the people said, it is the voice of God, of a God, and not of a man. Look at your next verse. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eating of worms and gave up the ghosts. This is what happens to politicians who don't give the glory to God. Because God put them there. And if you are there, you must let them know that. It is God who put you there. If you don't honor him, this is what will happen to you. Do you see? All authority, all power, all wealth, all riches is from God. <laughs> I have a friend, I have a prophet friend who is called, he's young, maybe he's like uh, 30, 30, 31. Young guy, I'll bring him here one of these days. I was speaking to him during the week. And he has a calling for presidents. You know him. I mean, he's smallish, very smallish. But his calling is to presidents, just 31, 32. He can meet the president right now and he'll tell the president about God and pray, they will kneel down and pray for them. It's mysterious. Yeah. He called me and said to me, it's like God has given you the youth. I really, I want that too. I said, hey, why you God has called you for the politics? You don't like. He said they are too old. They are not correct. <laughs> you have to say a lot. It takes too much confidence to preach to these people. Yeah. There was a certain rich man in this country who was organized, you know, this guy's riches had come from God and he knew it. The guy's riches had come from he's one of the richest people in this country, as I'm talking to you now. And he had organized a certain party on 31st December. Yes. 31st December, throughout the night into 1st January with girls and things and all of that. And this prophet friend of mine saw it. When he saw it, he went straight to his office and told him, God made you rich. God gave you money. Is this how you honor God? The day that everybody is supposed to be in the house of God to cross over to, with God to the money. You are doing this kind of party. I'm telling you the word of God. God will strip you of all your prosperity and strip you of it. He repented immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That party has never happened to date. Okay, this is GNT, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. GNT says that everyone must obey state authority. So it is state authorities because no authority exists without God's permission. Have you seen it? And the existing authorities have been put there by God. Whether you believe it or not, whether you feel they cheated to come into power, this is what the Bible says. If the Bible is your authority, then you should know that this is what the Bible has said. So if you are there and they are saying that we should go somewhere, let, let them know where authority comes from. Where your power comes from. None of them can be where they are without God. 
and they should understand. They should be made to understand. God wants people to be there to make them understand. You know, in the olden days, during the times of the Roman, Roman empires, when a general goes to go and conquer, and he's coming, and he's riding in his beautiful chariots with his beautiful breastplates and all of that, and his enemies, the enemies he has conquered, are coming behind him, and people are throwing tomatoes at the enemies and all of that, there will be someone sitting in his chariot whispering to him and telling him, that remember you were a man when he's collecting all the glory they are shouting the people are shouting hey Charlie you have done something very powerful there's someone in the chariot whispering to him that remember that you were a man all authorities from God remember that you were a man remember that so that he will be humble as he's collecting the glory do you understand uh-huh. all these people need someone by them to tell them that remember that you were a man remember who put you in power where are you going? You are going to where? If you are going somewhere, you are going to bury human beings. Don't include me. I'm not part. If you like, remove me. But I am here because God puts me here. Whatever you do is God who puts me here. And Christians who know their right and know what God, what, what God has done for them and where God has placed them will always have the victory like Daniel had. Daniel had complete victory. And he said three different kings, three different governments came and he was still there. Nobody could, and he was not serving as minister for something. He was president for three different empires. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, so stand strong. I mean, and we know. I have friends who are in politics. I mean, my class, some of my classmates have, have become ministers of this country before, and I know what they do. You see, but if you 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 want to honor God, you honor God. If you don't want to honor God, too, at the end of your life, you will see. Yeah, if you like, find out how some of them end up. Not all, some of them. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a pleasant thing. Those who use all kinds of things, it's no joke. When they are dying, they don't tell you what happens, so that people can still go along that path. Because if you don't know, you don't know. But when you know, you will not go along that path ever. Yeah. Okay. Any other question? Have I answered you? Yes, sir. Thank you. Beautiful. If you don't become like Herod. They should honor God. Yes. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you. There's a question here. It says, please, the Bible instructs us to forgive and forget. What about a case when, where trust has been broken? How do you handle that? You've forgiven the person, all right, but the relationship has not been restored to how it used to be. It's as though there is something dead in you. You relate to the person, all right, but things are not just the same as they used to be. Because trust is gained over time. If the trust is broken, then it will take time for the trust to be worn back again. And the one who broke the trust should not expect the trust to go back to where it was before. Immediately. You must allow the person to go from one level up. You must prove yourself worthy of being trusted along that line once again. You understand? Yes. It's like Peter and Jesus. Peter broke trust with Jesus. You know, but amazingly Jesus forgave him and Jesus reconciled with him. But Peter could still not I mean, it took time for Peter to be restored. And Jesus had to restore him not once, but twice. You see, in John chapter 21, Jesus appeared to Peter to restore him, to speak to him, to encourage him. Do you love me? If you love me, then feed my sheep. Okay? If you love me, then what? Feed my sheep. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. So, um, trust is it's always gained over time is it true 
Trust is always gained over time. And you shouldn't force the other person to just, oh, vice, I've said sorry. You said sorry, but allow me to, you know, let me give you, give me some time. And if you've changed, really changed, you give the person time. If you have not changed, then you would insist that then, then something should happen. No. Hallelujah. I just wanted to add that if the person doesn't change, it's not by force to restore that friendship. At all. Do you understand? Because sometimes, I think one of the... So, um, one of the, the reasons I realize that people find it hard to forgive is that they feel like the person hasn't changed. Why should I forgive the person? Forgiveness is for you. One. And um, Jesus said that forgive. Okay. So there are so many scriptures in the Bible that Jesus t- talks to us about forgiveness. And there's a reason for the forgiveness. Okay. It's not for the other person. It's for you. All right. So let me try and see if I can find some of these scriptures. Bless those who curse you. Bless. Yeah, them. Matthew 18. There's one in Matthew 18. Yes. And these are scriptures that have blessed me over the years. And I've come to see the power of it. Okay. Bless. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how that often... That is the first time that God talks about yes. it. But please find that verse that talks about bless those who curse you. Yeah. Say bless and do not curse. I want all that. So then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Is it till seven times? And then the 22... Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So if you, you do the math, that's a lot. And it's in a day, actually. One of the versions says that in a day. So Jesus says that if your brother goes, comes to you, and misbehaves, he says, I forgive you. Then he goes ten minutes, he comes again. He does... Probably the same thing. You forgive him. Look, forgive him. Okay. Because this scripture is so powerful. It said, bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. We will go to lighter English versions so that all the English... Go to 29, please. And unto him that smited on thee on one cheek... Offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy clothes, what bid not to take thy clothes also. 30. Romans 12, 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Go to 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Bless and curse not. And so curse. there's a part of the scripture that says that, so that you shall be like your father, your heavenly father okay, in that's, heaven. That's in okay. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So this is red. This is red. This is Jesus speaking. So that you say that it's Paul that is saying something. Okay, 45. <laughs> that he may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And send that rain on the just and on the unjust. Okay. Let me see if 46 says something. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? 
do not even the publicans the same. So the worldly people, isn't that what they do? They love the people who love them. That's normal. What reward have you? There's a reward. There's a reward. It may not be here, but in the life after there's a reward. 47. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do so. The normal man, isn't that what he's doing? 48. But ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Okay? So when you go back to the, is it 44, where it starts the whole, okay? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, so that you be like your Father. You are supposed to be like God. And the, the most beautiful thing is that when you forgive, the devil doesn't have a hold on you. Okay? So that you do not give the devil a foothold. Okay? Pastelli, find that scripture for me. Because what happens is that when you do not forgive, you see, the devil's plan for you is to destroy you. And unforgiveness is one of his biggest arrows. Because when you do not forgive, you block God's flow. God, because God is telling you to forgive, isn't it? So why you are not forgiving? So one is like you, when you can't obey in one thing, it affects a lot of things. Now you begin to do things as you feel, and then you give the devil an opening to destroy, and that's what he's been looking for. No matter how justified it is, nobody will hurt you if it's not justified. Do you get it? You are hurt when, I don't know, when you, you love the person. If somebody you don't care about the person, doesn't, it's not a bother. But when the person is close to you, and that's when you get hurt. That's why it's when your brother hurts you. Do you understand? Even if it's not your brother and somebody, please forgive the person. It's not worth it. It's not worth your energy. He said, if your anger, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anger is another thing. You understand? One thing that I, if somebody hurts me, then, then I say it, I forgive this person. I forgive. And sometimes it is not just a one day thing. The hurt will come back. Immediately it comes back like that. Say it, I forgive the person. Say it, I forgive the, say it until it loses. When the thoughts, the memory comes, you see how good God has been to you. How at peace you are. And how you want to even pray for the person. In the midst of that pain, do what the Bible is saying. Do not give the devil a foothold. Because it is killing so many people, I tell you. Unforgiveness is like poison. It is, and in the end, you, the person who has been hurt, you also begin to hurt others. So it becomes a cycle. So now you become an, you two have become an agent. And now you two are spreading the poison. Do you understand? So what the Bible says is very, I was telling, I don't know whether it's my husband that, I was thinking about how sometimes we Christians behave or human beings behave. This is the God who created us and he's telling us that do this, this is what will benefit you. But in your small peanut brain, you think you are smarter than God. And that what God said doesn't make sense to you, the ants. So you do your own thing. It's very interesting, isn't it? 
So when you begin to see things in that way, no matter how silly it sounds to your mind, you should understand that it is your mind that is stupid. You don't get it. You don't get it. The word is not stupid. God is not stupid. If God is telling you to do something, that means he's smarter than you. So do it. And you will benefit in the end. Now look at what is happening outside. In Romans 1, he said that they became, he said they had become so wise, they became foolish. Now look at the stupid arguments all over. I'm a girl, I'm a boy, now I'm a tree, I'm an animal. If you see me, like it's gone crazy. No, and, and it's a typical example of the wisdom of man. The Bible doesn't lie. Now I can say I'm a white man. And it's, it's madness. Madness. And that is what is going around. And somehow, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you, you'll be shocked that you agree with it. It's very strange. It's making sense. Foolishness is, is making sense. Because you are thinking, instead of meditating on the Word of God, you are beginning to meditate on social media. And all those things. And you have to be very careful. I, I don't know whether I've digressed or it's for somebody or whatever. But I'm just saying that... I'm just saying that this whole unforgiveness thing, and the world pushes it. Cancel culture, blah, 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 nonsense, nonsense, and all those things. And I don't understand. What? What culture? Cancel culture. Okay. And that's, it's, it's stemmed from unforgiveness. And it's killing people. It's destroying lives all over. And people think it's, it's power. It's highly demonic. Do you understand? Yes. So don't entertain hate. Don't entertain offense. Don't be offended. Matthew chapter 18. Don't be offended. Matthew chapter 18. Receive correction with meekness. It's a somebody who loves you who will correct you. Sometimes it's not nice. In fact, most of the time it's not nice. But accept it. And let God, you know, help you to do the right thing. He said, those who persecute you, there are people who do it out of malice. So that's where the persecution is. But, but don't worry, it works out for your good. As a righteous person, you are never disadvantaged. That is the power that you have. You have God inside you. Oh, it may be unpleasant as it's going on. But trust me, if you are constantly on the word of God, doing what, praying for them, loving them, don't mind, it doesn't matter. Just greet, greet them. Just greet them. We greet everybody. If you mind me, that is your problem. You understand? But God himself will be glorified. Okay. Then he said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Those are the people you pray for. Not for only your loved ones. Otherwise, where is the reward? Where is the reward in that? In praying for the people you love, there's no reward in that one. The one who hates you, when you pray for them, God rewards you. And he's the rewarder. So obey what he says. Amen. Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. 
Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, unto seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. The kingdom of heaven is always referring to the church. Okay? Um, which would take a certain king, which would take account of his servants. So this is one of the things God will ask about. It's one of the things God will account, will hold you accountable for when you meet him. When you meet the Lord, one of the things he will ask you is, did you learn to forgive? And you ask them, did you learn to love? If you learn, if you say yes, and they check and it's correct, then you go to his right side. If you say, if you say yes and it's not correct, because even in heaven, some people will say what they are not supposed to say. Yes. Therefore, it's like you know, heaven like unto. So it's one of the things that you account of, okay? And when you began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment be made. So he owed so much, himself, his wife, children, everything he had, had to be sold to pay, and it will still not be enough. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. So he was requesting for patience, but the Lord forgave him. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. If you remember how much you have been forgiven, then you will be able to forgive every other person who hurts you. Because people will hurt you. It's part of the, it's part of the thing. Jesus said, it is impossible that offenses should not come. It's impossible. Offenses will come. As offenses, they will come. Okay? Yes. That's in, that's in Luke chapter 17 verse 1. Then said, he unto the disciples, it is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. But offenses will come. And offense is one of the major things that creates a loophole for the devil like as I want to say. Do you see? Verse 28, back to Luke 18. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. Hmm? He owed him what? Amplified. But the same attendant as he went out found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denarii, about twenty dollars. He owed him about twenty dollars. Now go up and show us how much he owed. he owed his Master, he owed his master ten million dollars, and his friend was owing him twenty dollars. His master forgave him of the ten million dollars in an instant. But he, when he came to the twenty dollars, he caught him by the throat. He caught his friend by the throat and said, "Pay what you owe." Next verse. So his fellow attendants fell down and begged him earnestly, give me time and I'll pay you all. Give me time. Let's give me some time I'll pay. But he was unwilling. And he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. That's a height of wickedness. How is a guy going to pay when he's in prison? That's what we do when we keep people in the prison of our hearts. Yes. We put them in the prison of our hands and don't let them go. You see? Yeah. Until they have paid everything they need to pay. Until you are completely satisfied. Forgiveness is not coming. You see? That's why we must pray for it to get you. When you don't forgive, you are holding people, you know, in your heart. 
and they say having resentment for someone is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. When you take poison, who will die? You will die. So unforgiveness is poisonous to your system, not to the other person. When you see the person, their heart is beating. Shh, so angry. You remember all the things that the person did. If the person says forgive, even if the person does not say forgive me, God says you should forgive. So forgive. But it doesn't mean that the next moment you are walking hand in hand together. It doesn't mean that. Do you get it? Uh-huh. Until that thing leaves your heart, just pray about it until you get to the point where, I mean, you are not moved by anything and then you can flow. Become your friend again. At all. The person yes. doesn't have to become your friend again. No. That doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. But it's just that when the thought comes, it shouldn't trigger you. If it triggers you, you haven't forgiven. Do you understand? Yeah. If it, you think about it and your emotions, that means you haven't forgiven. Or it's not complete. Act like, just work continue, on it. Work on it. The person, say it out loud. His leg is out of the prison, but his hand is still in the prison. <laughs> you know, say it. Mention what the person, I forgive him for doing this to me. I forgive, you know, Lord help me. Just keep saying it until when the thought comes, you thank God for all this that happened. Bless. Because it makes you better. I guess not. You understand? Yeah. Beautiful. Any other question? Yes. Thank you. I have two questions. I, I had one with what mommy said. Um, what if the person is your husband? Come again. What if he's your husband? What if the person is your husband? Yes. Yeah. Because so, you live with him. You see him every day. What he did, it, it hurts you. And if you're always seeing him and it's triggering it, you're always telling the Holy Ghost, please help me, please help me. How does that one work? And yeah, my that's, that's one of the purposes of a husband and a wife. Yes. <laughs> The reason for a husband and the reason for a wife in your life is to let your love grow, let you grow in love very quickly. They are there to test your love, test your patience, test your... Or you don't know. That's, That's one of the major reasons why you get a husband, major reasons why you get a wife. Okay? Now, if you are, if the person, let's say the person has broken a sentence, the highest, the highest level of trust in a marriage is the sexual, is the marital bed. And that is the highest level of trust that you have. Now, if the marital, Jesus said, if the marital bed is defiled, there are things that can be done. He spoke, God says some things through Paul as well. There's separation and all of that. You get it. Until you cool down. Or until you become okay. And then you reunite with your husband or with your wife. Do you understand? But you have to forgive. You have to forgive. Oh, you're not ready to marry. Sorry, baby. I'm not ready to marry. Yeah, that is what marriage is all about. So if you see a married couple, if you see a couple who have been married for a long time, they have learned to forgive each other for many offenses. My wife has forgiven for many offenses. And vice versa. Yeah, because nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's one thing that you have to realize. I don't know why people think they are better than the other person. That's the whole thing about being, you are, you are a human being. Okay. A so, woman being. Yeah. A human being. <laughs> you know, it's not, you will do things that will hurt the other person and vice versa. That's why you have to forgive. You have to forgive. Look, take it out of your heart immediately. Actually, the Bible says you forgive your wife before everything starts. The day, the day you say, I do, that day, wow. what you have said is that all your problems are forgiving you yes, in forgive. advance, forever. 
Seriously. That's what, that's what marriage is all about. Yes. When you go for marriage counseling, that's one of the things they'll tell you. If you go for proper marriage counseling, as a husband, you forgive your wife in advance into the future. And as a wife, you forgive your husband into the, in advance into in all, all offenses, including the one you are thinking about. Oh, yes. Including the oh, one. Oh, yes, you're yes, yes, yes. No, you see, as a godly person, okay. So maybe people, you see, that's why when you are marrying, you have to pray. So that's, that is the basic thing. If you marry the wrong person, he if will you marry the mafia, he will use this as a key. <laughs> he will use mafia. that as a key. He will tell you he's stretching you in love. He's stretching you. <laughs> stretching yes, you so you see, that, so the thing is that you have to, you have to get the basics right. As you are here, get the basics right. Otherwise, if you get somebody who is a manipulator, you are dead. And that one, you have to also hear from God what to do whether to leave or not, because some of them are devils. But it's different if your husband said something, and I'm offended, he said something to me, I won't eat who stop that nonsense. It's not, marriage is not for children. At all. No, do you understand? Okay, but somebody who is manipulating you, that one is another thing altogether. Go get help. You need serious help. If it's Get manipulating help. you, taking yes. advantage of the taking advantage of the relationship of what you know, you know. First mm. Corinthians chapter eleven, verse three. The head, uh, but I'd have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So there's headship in life. A man who does not have Jesus as his head is unmarriable. Yes, very true. You can't marry, you can't marry him. You will be in trouble, eh? You see, the ladies, when we talk, you think that we are joking. Marry, you'll be shocked. Hmm. All the problems that women have in marriage is because they didn't make the choice of submitting under someone who loves God. Personally. Keep joking with it. And when it comes to the time when you are making a choice and you are making, you are making the wrong choice, we talk about it and you do your face like something and you leave the church, we'll be quiet for you to marry. And then every problem that you have, we'll, we'll pray about it. Yes, we'll pray about it, I mean, only you'll be praying about it, not me. You'll call me and say, Pastor, can you pray with me? I'll say, okay, I've heard. I'll, we'll talk later. I'm going straight to bed, baby. <laughs> Going straight to because when we told you, you didn't listen, you didn't mind us. No, we'll say a prayer, but we will we'll not say, really stay I won't say all it. Night. I'm going to bed, baby. <laughs> I'm going to bed. I remember one day my wife and I were just enjoying ourselves in our bed, and then a call came. <laughs> I don't even remember. He does that, this is done, this is done. I said, Okay, okay, I've heard. Okay, all right, all right, bye bye. Charlie, let's continue our life. <laughs> what kind of nonsense is that? Because before she went, we were telling her she didn't mind. You are now coming to cry. Who, who, who console you? My bunny. I have seen. I have seen. Uh-huh, I have not seen. Do you understand? Yeah. So the only thing you should check as a wife, as a lady, is to check if that guy you are, you see you love now, has Jesus as his head. And whether, when you preach to Jesus, he will hear. Mm-hmm. When you pray to Jesus about your conduct, because you see that thing that you think that will be happening in marriage, you sit with your husband and then you'll be talking to him about the 75 things that are bothering your heart. It will not happen. Do you understand? It doesn't exist. It doesn't have time. It will not happen. When he comes, he's coming to have sex and enjoy you and then he will go. That is it. 
you must learn to channel your concerns to Jesus Christ. And then Jesus will talk to him. You'll be shocked. That the things that really bother because sometimes you can't even say what is really bothering you. But when you say it to Jesus, Jesus will hear and he will tell him. So your husband will come and say, Oh, I'm sorry about this thing that I said. I think I don't know what happened to you, but I, I think I shouldn't have said or spoken like that. I shouldn't have treated you like that. I'm very sorry. Then you go and kneel down and thank God. Hey, God, thank you. Thank you for telling him for me. Yeah, because normally when you are even seeing what bothers you, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. Yeah, sure. He can't hear. He can't relate. He doesn't understand what you are saying. What are you talking about? You didn't say hello well. Ah. <laughs> grow up. Grow up. That's what, that's what I said. Grow up. Why would you grow up? Yeah. And then it goes on and on and on. So please, like this scripture, this verse, every lady, put it in your, at the back of your head. Hmm? Don't just marry somebody who doesn't know the Lord. He doesn't have Jesus as his head. He will beat you. You'll be shocked. Slap you. And he will sleep with people on your marital bed. There's nothing. There's no restraint. Listen, there's no restraint for a man. Apart from Jesus Christ. No restraint. Not even a single restraint. Man does not fear God. Yes. They don't. Especially in our culture. Especially in our culture and how things are going now. Which allows... Yeah, our culture, yeah, especially in our culture, that allows certain things. It gives a, a man... We are chauvinistic. It gives a man a certain kind of authority. When a man does something with many other ladies, it's normal. It's not a problem. But when a lady does it, then it's a problem. That's the kind of society we have. Do you understand? So already we are tilted to the, le- to the right or to the left, whichever one you want. So if you don't advise yourself as a child of God, and seek to marry someone who loves God on his own without your input. Otilo, all the best. Yeah. Second question. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask, um, should religion be a hindrance as well? For marriage? Yes, please. Hey, sister, <laughs> all that I just said. Melitao is here. Then, which one? Relationships, sex, and marriage. Everything is here. That, that is actually what I just said. Yeah. But if you want a verse, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It's all here. Relationship sex and Be not unequally yoked. My sister, together. so I don't understand. What did you understand by when we said that the person should have Jesus as the head? <laughs> you don't understand the question, innit? No. No way, we are. Yeah, we are, we are I don't understand. What we have saying. several religions. Yeah. And the Islamic, the. Yeah. Yes, all mm-hmm. that. And with the Islams, so, um, with what I know from growing up, mm-hmm. the churches, what people have seen about Islam, I'm not against them, alright, at all. But, um, most Christians don't align with um, Muslim teachings. So I wanted to know Sister, if what you are saying is 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 it Christianity and Islam are not the same at all. Okay, so there's no consideration. There's no. It is parallel. Do you know parallel? There's no midpoint. Yes, it never meets anywhere. Allah, the Mohammedans do not worship 
God that we worship. It's not the same. You understand? It's not the same at all. We are friends with Muslims because they are in this world. You cannot be in this world and not relate with Muslims. We relate with them. Our enemies. They are not our enemies either. We relate with them so that we can get an opportunity to share the word of God with them. I can do business with a, with a Muslim, can do whatever with a Muslim. That's nothing wrong. But I can't marry a Muslim. Do you understand? It is a rule from Genesis all the way in Genesis. Genesis is not because it's not because he's a Muslim. It's because he's, he's an, the person is an unbeliever. You see, all unbelievers. Even if the person now we have people who don't have a religion. They, some uh, they, they, they say they are not. They don't. There's another group. There's common sense. Common sense. All of free thinkers and all of that. I, anyone who does not retain Jesus Christ in his knowledge and does not retain Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and that even going down into the nitty-gritties, does not believe as you believe. Is it because even in the Christian world, there are different aspects. There are those who believe what you believe, and there are those who don't believe what you believe. There are Christians who don't believe in speaking in tongues. There are Christians who don't believe in fighting. There are Christians who don't believe in giving. There are Christians who don't believe in faith. There are Christians who believe that God does whatever he wants to do. I mean, so going down... Eh, down, 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 down. Even those things you must be must be considered at certain points. Okay? Yes. Let's something is going on, you say, let's pray. And then you start. Hey, mommy, Adai. Mommy, why? What is that? Please, please, please. God, yeah, when you are talking to God, you don't have to be so loud. God, wherever you are, or shout, God, wherever you are, we put this it's, it's fine. What God wants is what will come. You'll be shocked that you may have certain types of problems that you wouldn't want to have. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So, to even start with um, an unbelief, it's a long, it's like it's something you shouldn't even consider. It's a non-starter, I tell you. Hey! You see, every problem, eh, every marriage comes with a basket of problems, naturally. Because where you are coming from and where I'm coming from are not the same. So already there's a basket. Every marriage has a basket. First Corinthians seven twenty-eight. Whoever, if you marry, he says you shall have many troubles. You shall have troubles. This is Paul. But and if thou marry, thou has not sinned. But he says, and if a virgin marry, she has not sinned. So marriage is not a problem. Nevertheless, those who marry, such shall have trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. There's trouble. Let's read other words. Is English, eh? Is English. Hey. Mm. Joke with these things that you will, not, you will not be happy. You would be counting the days for your husband to die or for you to die. Many people are counting days. Yeah. Some, some are enjoying their marriages. Others are counting the days. When will this guy die? Or when will this lady die? Or when will I get out? Yes. Be, this what is English. But if you do marry, that is not wrong. And if you're a woman, if a young woman marries, that is not wrong. But those people who marry will have many troubles during their life together in this world. They will. It didn't say they may. They will. You are sure. It's a package. It comes, it's a, it's a basket of problems, full basket with everything inside. Because of, ish, like, uh, Solical issues, 
where you were raised. In your house, they press the toothpaste from the bottom. Mine, they press it from the middle. Anywhere. Do you understand? In your house, they don't wash panties. They pack, oh, they pack the panties for one weekend, wash it over the weekend. In my house, the panties are washed every time. Every, when, you, when you are bathing, then you wash it. And those things. So you marry, you have packed your panties one week, and the place is smelling. That is a problem. That will come in the marriage. Do you get it? Uh-huh. In your house, you eat certain types of foods. In my house, fresh food. You, when you are, your, your, your house, your mother cooks every day for you. In my house, we eat three months food from the fridge. Everything is okay. It's fine. It's in the freezer. When you come home, you just take a rubber, heat it up. That's it. And then you eat. So these are natural things. Eh? So long as you're spending your life here together, you will have these problems. Now, this basket is there. Then you are importing another basket. Uh, you have imported another basket of problems with respect to your religion and your beliefs. You are in trouble. And that's a very, very sensitive matter. Because that touches your soul and touches your spirit. Your person, your real person. You can say it in the microphone. Your children, all those things. Do you get it? It's very, it's deeper. It's way deeper than not washing drawers. We can, we can talk about those things. Not bath in your house. The ladies, they don't bath twice. They bath once every two days. And that's what, that's what you are used to. But then you come, it's like, hey, you have to bath. Oh. Do you get it? And those are issues that you have. Uh, I mean, you'll be solving issues. This one in your house, everything is everywhere. I mean, when you cook, there are people who cook. By the time they are done with the cooking, it's like there's been a war in the kitchen. <laughs> there's an explosion. Tin tomatoes is lying here. Eggshells are lying here. This one is lying here. I'm coming from a house where, whilst you are cooking, they are bending it. They are cleaning. By, by the time the cooking is done, every, the whole place is looking nice. That's not how you. That, so that's a problem. Why are you doing like this? What is this? What is that? It's, listen, even if you are 20 years in a marriage, 20, that's why you have to watch those things. If you don't watch those things and pray about those things, people go, ah, Maria, 18th year. Then it's like, I'm not happy. I've not been happy about this for the last 18 years. I'm tired. I can't go again. Yeah, you'll be shocked. 18 years later. 18 years later. <laughs> it's finished. Okay? So don't import that problem for yourself, please. You will have a very, very big problem. And then there are other, there are other ones when it comes to race, even. If you're marrying someone who is a different race, different culture, that's also another basket. So you can have three, but some, a, a marriage can have three baskets, two baskets, one basket, baskets, twelve baskets. I mean, you want to reduce your baskets to one as much as possible. Okay? I don't know if you have something to say. Yeah, there's a lot of, because these are, these are a lot of worldly ideologies. And it's, there are lies, so many lies. You understand? These are so many lies. Oh, it's not a problem. The person is saying that, how is the person's life? You see, that's one of the things she has to do. How is that person's life? The people who are saying it, how are their lives? Why should you be taking advice from this person? How is that person's life? Is that person even married in the first place? to give you that advice. And there's so many fake things going on on the internet and everything. Okay. So you have to be very careful who you take advice from because who is that person who is talking to you anyway? Yes. So please be careful. All these things, they are just worldly ideologies that don't hold water. Even the Muslims know it's not true. 
Yeah. The major thing, okay, that God spoke about. The major thing that God spoke about. Okay, you can find it in Genesis chapter um, 20, 24. Okay, when they were going to look for a wife for Isaac, Abraham told his servant to put his hand under his tie and swear. Eh? Swear. Genesis 4, 24, 3. Eh? To verse 2. Go to verse 2. And Abraham said unto his elder servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my tie. This is before the law. This is before the law. Always remember some of these things. Under my tie. And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. So he was dwelling with the Canaanites. He was dwelling with Muslims and whatever, whichever. We're doing business together, everything. But don't marry them. It's a dangerous thing. It's the most dangerous thing a man can do. A Christian man. Solomon lost his ministry. He lost his destiny because of the kind of wives that he clave uh, in love with strange people that God has said not to marry. First Kings 11, verse 1. But Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites. These are all other religions. Zidonians and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. You see, God said it. Because they will turn your way, your heart away. That's the main thing. They will turn your heart away. Yes. All the nations had idols. Everybody had idols. Their own, their own line. Every one of them. Every one of them. Okay? So it is very dangerous. I mean, you don't want to. It's one of the main things main thing that God talks about. Else you destroy everything. Now, in Numbers chapter 22, 23, 24, a king called Balak, king of the Midianites, who contracted the, the services of a prophet called Balaam to curse Israel. Okay? Now, they tried, the prophet tried to curse, I was saying it at the camp, he tried to curse Israel, it didn't work, everything. Then the prophet came with an idea. What was the idea? Bring the Midianite women, the fine girls, to the borders of Israel and let them go a whoring with the Israelites. Let them sleep with the Israelites. And if they do that, they will get into trouble with God. They will get God angry and God will kill them himself. So he turned God against his own people. How? By this particular thing of getting involved with people who are not Christian. Right now, of course, God will kill you. Say it in the microphone. He won't kill you. Yeah, he won't kill you because yeah. of Jesus, but you open the door for the devil to oh, enter. Yes. Huge door. Big door. Mm, oh, honestly. Him. You see, and this thing that Balaam did is called the error of Balaam in Revelation chapter 2, which exists in church today. That God is not happy about. Okay? He gave advice for money 
on how to destroy God's children. Yes. And it worked. God, you see, many people died in, in, in Israel's camp during those times. I think about 3,000 or more of something, huge number. If you read Numbers 24, 25, you see. Okay? So if there's anything that God, it's like one of the things that God talks about, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The reason why Esau lost his birthright primarily was because of disobeying this particular thing. He married Birai and that's in Genesis chapter 20, 26, yes. Judith, yes. That's the daughter of... And Esau was, when, and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Birai, the Hittite, and Bashima, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. These are religions that are not supposed to, you are not supposed to marry from. He went straight to them to go and marry them. Next verse. Who, which were a grief of mind. Look at this. They were a grief of what? Mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. They were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. This is where he lost it. Because God, his seed was disqualified. His seed could not be the seed through. Yes. His seed could not be the seed through whom the promise will come. Because they are not supposed to be mixed with these people. And he went straight for them. Okay? There are those who come. Muslims come in become Christians. You can marry them. They are not Christians. We have some. Plenty. Buddhists become Christians. You can marry them. Because in the same line of the Messiah's, the Messiah's coming, there's Rahab. Rahab the prostitute who was from Jericho. Then there's Ruth. A Moabite. These are from different places. Who came? They, but what happened is that they came to come and join to come to come and join the house of God. And then they could become, they were qualified to become a part of it. So that's the key. Please, if, if you didn't hear anything today, I think you should hear this one. It's very important, okay? So ladies, especially ladies, mm, gentlemen, brides, mm, yo, yes. All right, thank you, Bishop. All right, Adi, my question is like this. Uh, in the church, you find out that you get close to some certain kind of people. But maybe like after like two, three weeks, if you are trying to get close to you, they'll just snop you. They'll just what? They'll just snop you. In this church? I'm just saying in normal... General. Yes. You just maybe, if you are even saying hi, they are, the way they will even respond to yourself, you feel like, ah, what's wrong? You know? So what can you tell me concerning that? And again, like in the church. There are people in the church who are not nice. Who are I, not nice. Yes, yes, yes. Then again, another question is that, okay, like in the church or even at home, there are some certain, certain things that you are supposed to do, but you won't do it because there is somebody that is assigned to like do it. So because the person is not there for you to do it, you cannot, you will not just do it just because you are not, it's not your job. Like from the date, you can just be walking out, you will see like a rubber, some stuff like that. So concerning that, what can you say about it? <laughs> what can you say about it? This is not a question, you are asking my opinion about things. But what I'll say is that in a church, okay, in a, any church, um, you must understand the purpose of the church. The church is not for perfect people. The church is for perfecting God's sins. That's the purpose of the church. So you will meet people in the church who may not have a certain kind of understanding because we are all growing. Read Ephesians chapter 4, verse um, 11, 12, 13, 14, you see it. 
says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Okay, then it says, for the work of the, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse, verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. It's, they gave those people for the perfecting of the saints. Do you get it? The saints are not perfected. It's not that they are not perfect. If you read in the scriptures, you see that we are complete. But in these verses, the word perfecting is cataclysmus. It means full equipping. Okay, so they are children of God who are, who are not fully equipped yet. Okay, it's like a hospital. The church is like a hospital. It has doctors and it has patients. So if you meet another patient and the person is coughing on you, and you say, why is it that this hospital has so many people coughing? This one coughed on me, this one coughed on me, this one coughed on me. What, what do you think the doctors will say to you? Are you okay? You are in a, that's why in a hospital, if you are, you, maybe you are not coughing, you have a stomach problem and you are running. If one of the people coughing says that, why do you keep going to the toilet like that? We are having a discussion, you keep going to the toilet. You even put on my hand the last time. Why? What is that? And it's going to be a problem. Do you get it? So there are things we don't, we don't, um, discuss and we don't talk about because we, if you understand the church a bit, you will know that the church has different people in it and all of us are growing. And you'll be surprised that even those who say have, have grown may have one of some of the worst uh, challenges. Okay, yes, some of the worst issues. And we must, but we must allow each other to grow and become what we are supposed to become. Do you understand? Okay. Uh-huh. So, so it takes time, yes. Notwithstanding. Yes. That's notwithstanding. The other side is also true. Yes, yes. notwithstanding. Which is going to mention. Yes, that um, it's all over the scriptures, basically. So Jesus said that, in John fifteen twelve, that this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. John fifteen seventeen, these things I command you, that you love one another. In Romans 12, verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love, in honor preparing one another. When you say love one another, it's all over. By as, this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By this shall all men know. If you have love one. No, so, so this is somebody who has come to the church new. He's expecting to see love. When I say love, kindness, being nice. Not sleeping with the person. Not sleeping with the person, of course. That is not Christian. That is not godly. Someone said that's how I express love. You need help. Anyway, that's beside the point. But as Christians, we are supposed to love one another. Pray for one another. That is our characteristic. That is what differentiates us from the world. We pray for one another. If you know somebody offends you, that's why, that's why Jesus said you pray for the person who offends you. You don't go spreading it. You don't go backbiting. You don't go gossiping. As a Christian, what you do is you see your brother with a problem. You pray for that person. You don't go criticize because the person who criticizes, most of the time, they have more problems than the person they are criticizing about. That is what the truth is. So notwithstanding, as the ch- church, we should learn how to be kind to others. When you realize that you are being selective, that means you need God to deal with your heart to stop that kind of attitude. Because we are not supposed to be selective. We are supposed to love everybody. And that's what some people do. Oh, this person looks like this. Okay, this person can be my friend, blah, blah, blah. That is not godly. We are supposed to love everybody. So we are supposed to be kind to everybody. We are supposed to pray for others. So it goes for leaders. It's going for pastors and everybody. Learn how to love others. 
and stop letting it be about you for the last five years. For goodness sake, grow up and love somebody else. Enough of all the attention seeking. You are supposed to by now. Jesus was with the disciples for three years. And they went and conquered the world. You've been in church for five years. You still want us to pamper you. It's not happened. Because you have, you have gone past that. You are refusing to be who you have been called it's to be. It's time to be weaned. Hmm? It's time for you to grow up. Take the strong things. Love, forgive, let go, and love others. If every time we have to, and this person, how are you? It's like you are in the mood, you are in the mood. Me, I'll mind you. No, it's nonsense. So that when new people have come now, we should stop the babies and come and feed you who has Doesn't decided that you, are, you become malnourished yeah. and you become diseased. A personal decision that you have taken. It's a personal decision. Because a lot of things go, everywhere that comes from the pulpit is supposed to feed you and let you grow. We, are, we grow by the word of God. And he says, receive it with humility and grow thereby. That is what the word of God says. Receive it with humility. Now, if everything that has been coming, you have been arguing with, with it, you are definitely going to have a problem in the very near future. You'll be here for 20 years and no, you'll be, and no be the same. And this is very common. Yes. So please, this is going for the leaders in the church and everything. Learn how to be nice to others. And stop clicks and this is my group and this is my my squad and all those things i don't have friends in church that statement has it's, it's very disturbing for me yeah have you been friendly and the funny thing is when you approach somebody on the night you to pray for the person why aren't you a christian too don't you make to, don't form opinions you to, aren't you a christian too? about people this person is not nice and then you start it's introducing it to other people when they come to the church. Oh, this person, you know that this person is not nice. All oh, this is what they are not nice. And church, they are hypocrites. They are, hypo- they are hypocrites. You, you, and most of the time, they are, they are the greatest hypocrites. You have become a Pharisee. They are the greatest Very dangerous hypocrites. person. Yes, because the thing is, you know better than do the right thing. Pray for them. Be a Christian. Instead of, oh, church people, they are hypocrites. You are the biggest hypocrite. That statement goes around a lot, so I just want to draw attention to it. Be Christian. Do what Jesus is saying. Do you understand? Any other question? You have a question. Thank you very much, Bishop. Yeah. Um, my question was um, about um, forgetting. I think Mommy spoke about memories. So I wanted to ask, how do you forget about something? Maybe someone did something bad for you. You're forgiving the person. You're flowing. Yeah, but um, the memories are still there. And sometimes to like wild and bad memories you've had in the past, you wish you never did it. So how do you? Bad memories of what? Of the past. Things you did. Yes, things you did in the past. Like you wish you never. I mean, went into that. Uh, but like the memories still come. How do you f- forget about it? Even though you are moving. Second Corinthians chapter ten, okay. verse three, four, and five. Can you show us? Those verses. Although we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? 
imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? How do you understand these verses? Have you seen these verses before? You've seen it before. How do you understand it? Okay, so um, you see that the, um, we have the power to capture every thought, every negative thought that comes into us through the name of Jesus. Yeah. Okay. The devil's main thing is thoughts. Thoughts of things you've done, things someone has done against you. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he must need flee, he must of needs use something to accuse you. And he will accuse you of what you did, what you didn't do, or what you did that was good that you didn't do well. You see. Uh-huh. So thoughts are the, the main thing. And you have power from God to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now you answer thoughts from the devil with words. The way to answer thoughts is through words, through the word of God. So when a bad thought comes to your mind, speak the word of God concerning that particular thing that is coming to your mind. When a thought comes to your mind that, are you sure you are forgiving this person? Say to yourself, I forgive because Christ forgave me. So I've also forgiven. You understand? So meet the word of God, meet the thoughts. If you fight thoughts with thoughts, it will never end. But if you fight thoughts with the word of God, it will end. And you are better off fighting with, with revealed rema from God. Jesus fought the devil uh, with the word of God. Do you get it? Uh, by speaking the word of God. So you must learn to speak the word of God about what it is that is coming to your mind. You wanted to ask something? So exactly what Daddy has said. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The thoughts that come to you accusing you is a thought from the devil. Thoughts that are not word-based, it's not talking about what Jesus has done, are not from God. And most of them are not from you, actually. Because I think the mistake a lot of people make is that they think that every thought that comes to them is theirs. It's not. The devil works with thoughts. Do you understand? That's why you have to be careful the things you watch and everything, because when you watch things that are not correct, they are seeds that the devil uses to destroy you. Now, coming to the fact that you're a Christian, okay, you have been saved. The devil has no power over you. What, what you said is in Second Corinthians chapter 2. Okay. Okay, verse, verse 10 and then 11. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For I forgive anything, for if I forgive anything, to whom I forgive it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. Then he says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The word devices there is thoughts. Okay. So the major thing that the devil has is thoughts. Are thoughts. I don't know if you have uh, other. I think Amplified may say it. Okay, can we see it? That's verse 11. Okay, yes. wiles and intentions. Can wiles we see an, another version? The Greek word is noema, and it means thoughts. Thoughts. So he keeps flying thoughts into your mind. Yes. So he keeps okay. throwing things that you watch that porn. You are not worthy. No, it's true. You see? But you confessed. Okay? You, you repented. You confessed. Say, no. 
So one of the things you can do is you take captive of that thought. You can just say that scripture. I take captive of every thought that exalts its name. It all exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because that thought that is coming is preventing you from knowing God. Do you get it? It's bringing a certain form of guilt to you that is going to prevent you from continuing your Bible reading and believing what God is saying concerning you and going forward and everything. It's trying to become a stumbling block in you. So even this scripture, I cast down imaginations. I'm casting down this imagination and everything that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And I'm bringing this thing into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Just this scripture is enough to quiet that nonsense. Because it is nonsense. Do you understand? So, when, whether, and especially like, the, I have forgiven the person. I am a child of God. I love. And I forgive. And I have forgiven. I cast down, like, you know, I use the scripture so much. And I, I, it just goes, like, I don't think about it. I've cast it down. I'm not, don't, I'm not now going to search for the thoughts too, because people have issues. They're now going, hey, ekwa anase enkwa wae. Eni abesa Do you understand? Forget about it. If you have that problem, ask God to help you to stop searching for things that he's already taken away. Basically, that's how simple it is. That's how simple and powerful the life we have is. You ask the Holy Spirit, help me to stop this. It's a bad behavior. I keep looking for mistakes and stop it. It's not of God. Ask the Holy Spirit. Keep my mind. So the beautiful thing that we have is that we have a spirit of self-control and of a sound mind. That sound mind where there is a spirit of self-control. And self-control means that the spirit, yeah, self of a balanced, well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So the spirit in you prevents your mind from wandering and going and going and going. That's the spirit that we have. It's able to keep our mind. It's able to prevent you from just thinking anything. Like you have a, a, a self, do you get it? Well-balanced mind. So you don't just keep going and going. And the thing is that the fact that you have it doesn't mean that you, you keep going to... Don't expose yourself to things that will cause things to get worse. Get rid of those things. That means you are serious. Do you get it? Yes, yeah, so we have a lot of power. And it comes by just declaring the word. Do you understand? Declare it. Say it out. That is where your power is. Okay. Bible says, I have believed, therefore I have spoken. You also believe and speak. So speak. If you believe it, speak it. And it will show forth. Are you okay? Yeah. Amen. You have a question? You want to say something? Okay, beautiful. So my name is Kofi. This is my first day being here. Yes. You're welcome. In as much as we are Christians and we believe in the power of God, I just want to quickly ask, is it... Um, is it recommendable that in a case where you've suffered a trauma, you see probably a psychologist in addition to probably leaning on God and asking God for help? All right. It's like uh, asking if you have a liver problem, should you go to the liver specialist? 
as you are reading your Bible? The answer is emphatically yes. Do you get it? There's nothing wrong you see a psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever. There's nothing wrong. Uh-huh. Um, we must be careful to be, not become overly righteous. All those things are there, provided by God for us. There are limits they get into that they are not supposed to get into. You must always understand that the ultimate is the word of God. I mean, a good psychologist or a good psychiatrist will use God's word. Because it is actually words that heal. He healed them with his word. You see, so the word of God has healing powers. It has healing abilities. And if you should expose yourself to the word of God, it will heal your mind. It will heal you by the grace of God. Okay? Uh-huh. So, there's nothing wrong with, with seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist or something because of some experiences that you have had. But make sure that the word of God is paramount in your life. And whatever they are saying to you, lines up with the word. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, put it where it belongs. So that you can flow and become what God wants you to become. Remember Jesus you know, met many broken people. Not only broken physically, but broken psychologically. People who didn't have confidence. For instance, Peter was a man who didn't have a certain kind of confidence. But through meeting Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, he became a very confident man. The one who was scared of the chief priests and all those people became the same guy who was standing before them speaking powerfully because of being with Jesus. The Bible says they took knowledge of him that he had been with Jesus. You get it? So being with Jesus is very important. Doing your quiet time every day is very important. Reading your Bible for the Bible to, for the word of God to speak to you is very important. Okay? And then the other, so the other one is, and then that's the addition, not the main thing. So, it's like having a liver problem. I won't tell you to sit at home. I'll tell you to go to the hospital. Okay? Listen to what the doctors are saying to do. Do whatever they need to say. But actually, cure comes from God. The medicines, you see, doctors say they are managing you. They manage you. They can't actually cure the liver. They can manage you. What cures the liver is the word of God. Only God can cure it. So you can take the medicines to sustain you along a certain line. As you build put your, your faith. faith to work. You build your faith and put your faith to work. You build your, your knowledge in the word and what yeah. Christ has done for you. Exactly. Like, for example, you didn't know that you have the spirit of a sound man. You didn't know that unforgiveness was what was causing it. You know, by the grace of God, as you come to church, you get to know that. Because I will tell you that most of everything stems from... Exactly, especially like the psychological things. There's always a serious trauma. Difficulty with forgiveness, letting go, a whole lot of things. And then the devil just messes it up. So when you begin to understand that, forgive so that you will be liberated. It's not going to, if the person is still, whatever, that person's judgment will come, but forgive that person for your liberation because you holding on to that thing is what is actually destroying you. Okay. And as you get to know that and how much God loves you and what he has done for you and you begin to believe it and take it in, you'll be fine. As you are going to the hospital, as you get better, they'll take you off things, medications and stuff. Okay. Before that, you didn't know, but you decided that it's the word of God that I'm going to stay so they kind of just sort of help you along the way. 
because for psychiatry, they, they rarely cure. It doesn't even happen. They just sort of maintain you in a certain sort of balance. I don't get worse. Yes, so that I don't get worse. But you are sort of hanging in there. And most of the time, people don't even really get a life like that. Yeah. They're just sort of hanging in there. But the main thing is the, the word of, God. The word of and God. Put your trust in exactly. God. You see, where your trust is makes a world of a difference. Exactly. Okay, if you put your trust in doctors, in medicine, and all of that, what, is, what, what you are doing is that you are looking up to them for your salvation. Something they don't have. They know it. My wife's a doctor. She knows. I mean, they can't do. She's a pediatric oncologist. I mean, takes care of children with cancer. You know, and one day I heard them, they were having a morning meeting, and I heard them discussing a child who has been miraculously healed. And all of them were so happy because they knew that they couldn't have done that. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So it's, it's the Lord. The power is in, is, is in His Word. And medicine is to buy you time, buy more time for you so that you can. Because pain is very painful. When you're in pain and you're meditating on the Word, it doesn't work. But when you have been, your pain has been, you are, you are soothed a bit, then you can, you know, focus on the word of God. And then you become fine. Yeah. So. Pastor, I don't know if you want to add anything. Beautiful. Yeah. Alright. Thank you, Dad. Right. Please sound to us. How are you? Please, I'm fine. Great. Please, in a camp, I learned about a Bible verse down to us, a Christian. Yeah. Let's go to Matthew 7, verse 1. Go there, brother. <laughs> judge not that ye be not judged. So I want to add that. Lawyers one. Ah. Lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> one. Lawyers and judges. Is it good? Would they go to heaven? <laughs> and then two. Is it good to be a lawyer or a judge? This this has nothing to do with. It has nothing to do with being a judge or being a lawyer. Yes. If they are not, it is God who sets it. God is a judge. If no, judges are not going to heaven, then God himself is not qualified. Because God himself is a judge. He's a judge of the universe. You see? Yes. And um, he's going to sit in judgment. At different, he sat in judgment about certain things. He's going to sit in judgment about certain things. If there are no judges and there are no lawyers and there are no policemen, we'll all be in trouble. You get it? The powers. I just I read that to you. Maybe I should read it in a different version for you to understand. Romans chapter thirteen, verse one. Let's read a, a, a lighter version. Let everyone put himself under the authority of the higher powers, because there is no power which is not of God, and all powers are ordained, ordered by God. Okay, follow it very carefully. Okay, next verse, please. For which reason everyone who puts himself against the authority everyone who puts himself against the authority puts himself against the order of god eh? and who are the ones who meet out the judgment if you should do the wrong thing if someone came to steal from your house and shot your father and your mother and killed him and they found the person and the person is taken to court and the judge says that because he shot your father and your mother he should be in prison for the rest of his life would the judge be taken to hell because he meted out that kind of judgment? Emphatically not. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So judges, lawyers, and all of that are doing what it's a, it's a job that has been given to them 
by the government in power, the government, you know, to, to meet out certain kinds of judgments to certain kinds of people. It came out recently that um, just about 3% of the Ghanaian population um, are into stealing and things. 3%, which is, which is very high. 3% of 30, 30 million is how much? 900, almost a million people. Almost a, so if all those 1 million people are left to be roaming about, going from house to house to do whatever they want to do, we will not have peace. Okay? Yes. So he says, for which reason everyone who puts himself against the authority puts himself against the order of God. And those who are against it will get punishment for themselves. They'll get punishment. Why? Because, next verse, for rulers are not a cause of fear to the good work, but to the evil. So if you are doing evil, you should fear the powers that be. You see, judges are not put there by themselves. They are empowered. Or, they are empowered by governments. Lawyers are not put there by themselves. They are called to the bar. You are called to something to come and help make, to give out judgments. If the president was sitting down every day to give out judgments, to be in trouble. That's why there are three arms of government. There's the judiciary, huge arm, there's executive, and then there's what? Legislature. One makes the laws, one enforces the laws, and one governs everybody. They are all the same authority. Okay? If you would have no fear of the authority, do good and you will have praise. If you do good in the country, you'll be fine. Next verse. For he is a servant of God to your good. Uh, to you for good. But if you do, it will have fear. For the sword is not in his hand for nothing. Because like God has put sword in their hands for nothing. That's, what's it called? Gavel, right? When it's put down like that, and they say, guilty. You are going in for 50 years. Brother, you'll be shocked that 50 years will be behind us. And he will be righteous. He will go to church, he will go to heaven, he will be fine, everything will be okay. The judge will start in against you. Will be in heaven, pepe, pepe. Because he was just, they were just doing what, of course, there are those who meet out the wrong judgment and do all of that. It's just like any other place that you can have. There are good doctors, there are bad doctors. There are good lawyers, there are bad lawyers. There are good judges, there are bad judges. I mean, there are good pastors, there are bad pastors. I mean, it's like that. There are good cameramen, there are bad cameramen. Yes, and yes. Yes. Matthew 7, if you even read down, it tells you the context of which the whole judge and do not be judged was about. Okay, so when you read up to verse 5, it goes, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of your own eye, and thou shalt um, clearly see and cast out the moat out of your own eye. You can read it in NLT or in a lighter version. Do not judge others and you will not be judged too, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Three, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? A speck is like a grain of sand. Okay. You're always looking for. I, most of the time, people who go criticizing have a very low opinion of themselves. So what they do is that when they criticize people, they want to feel good about themselves, that they are also, they are better than you. So that's, that's the problem with critical people most of the time, and the Bible is even confirming it. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? 
hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So I think the, the Amplified was talking about criticizing people and sort of gossiping and basically that was what he was saying for the rest one. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized. It's a pride. Yes. It's a great so sign it's of like pride. You want to, you're Thinking of yourself the, more highly than you ought. Yes, Thinking so that no, others are nothing. God doesn't like that. Yes. We must embrace everybody and flow as much as possible with everybody. Yes. Help in love. Pray for one another. Someone says, hey, have you heard? Let's pray for the person. Most of the time, they don't pray for the people. Most of the time. God doesn't like that. You don't, they, just, they just wanted to gossip. And God is looking at you. Am gossip I lying? Gossip is sweeter than ice cream for some uh-huh. people. Sweeter than yes. ice cream. If you pray about it, you realize you can't talk about it again. Yeah. Because you've, you've handed it over to God. But if you keep talking about it, I know you are a gossip. You have not prayed. You understand? Yeah. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank yeah. you, Daddy. Please, I, I was reading a, a scripture in First Timothy yeah. chapter 5.23. First Timothy 5.23. It says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and thy often infirmities. infirmities. So please, I think so many people have been using this scripture as you should drink, but we shouldn't get drunk. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to know that we should, should we drink and we shouldn't get drunk or we shouldn't drink at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Amplified. I tell you, Charlie. Amplify, please. And do not get drunk with wine. Do not what? Don't get drunk with wine. Uh, for that is debauchery. We don't understand. Can you show us other versions? Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Have you seen it? Okay. Any other version? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. It is him. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's showing you instead of boozing, rather be filled with the Spirit. Proverbs chapter 23, verse uh, Let me show you another one. I'm coming, just a second. Isaiah. Let's read Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah 5, verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. Hmm? Have you seen it? Or you are not seeing it? Okay. Wine what? Inflame them. Um, let me show you another one. Um, same chapter, same verse, Isaiah 5, but this time around, verse 22. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink. And you know, mingling, make same things, mixology. Proverbs 23, verse 20. 
I'm just quoting scriptures for you so that you can advise yourself. Be not among wine bibles. We don't understand. Please show us other versions. Do not be among those who give themselves to wine drinking or among those who make themselves full with meat. Verse 21. For those who take delight in drink and feasting will come to be in need. And through love of, a, of sleep, a man will be poorly clothed. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. So, you see, in, in Timothy's case, Timothy had an illness. And Paul's advising him that take a little wine. He didn't say he should boozle. He said he should take a little wine because of his stomach problem. Because it was medically, uh, it's, it's like uh, drinking and having a cough problem and then they give you benelin. So it has some, some ingredients in there that makes you drowsy, makes you booze. Codeine. It has codeine in it that makes you feel drowsy. But it's, it's for cure. It's, it's, for, it's for something. It's not to be... It's not to be... Uh, but now that's what they do. They use benelin. They mix benelin with other things and all of that. Syrup, blah, 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 blah. And then they drink. You get it. Because, a certain, because of a certain experience that they want. They want a certain kind of ecstasy. Forgetting their problems. Listen, you don't want to get addicted to certain things. And I was being told of a certain young man who is now addicted. You know, he got, he got hurt. And they injected him with a certain injection. I've forgotten the name of the injection. But it reduces pain. And then they injected it and all of that. He became fine. Now he's fully addicted to it. Fully addicted to it. It's a problem. And this is a very high person in society. He now injects himself, he sports his legs, his buttocks, his hands and all of that because he's so addicted. You don't want to get, God doesn't want you to get addicted to some things. That's why he tells you, stay away. It's for your own good, it's not for, it's not for him. It won't do anything to him. If you boost, it's up to you. If you don't boost, it's up to you. you if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 14, look at 1 Corinthians 3, 14. 15. 16. Yes. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If a man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? You see? It says, Don't defile the temple of God. Anything that will defile the temple of God, get away from it. So, the high that you want through the smoking of the weed, drinking, all of those things, that high is found in the Holy Ghost in higher measures. You can't get higher than being high with the Spirit. There's nothing, there's no ecstasy, there's no pleasure that can be compared to the ecstasy and the pleasure that comes in the Spirit. That's why it says that instead of being boosted, be filled with the Spirit. It compares being filled with the Spirit to being boosted. Be not drunk, don't be drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, departure, you get into, you get into all kinds of things, but rather be filled with us, be being filled with the Spirit. So the high you are looking for is actually not in those things, it's actually in Christ. Okay? I hope you understand. Now, there's another side, eh, which is not mentioned, but I just want to mention it to, just to, so that just in case it comes to your mind, um, you would, you would know what to think. Okay? Jesus was called a wine biber. Have you read it before? He was called what? 
Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into what? Wine. When he was um, the communion, he used wine. He had wine by his whatever. Are you in the church? Now. It's like uh, it's like having medicine. Like I was saying, like morphine. It's to calm pain. It's not to be abused. You understand? Hmm. You are better off not touching it. Okay? Don't say that, oh, Jesus turned water into wine, so... Don't say that, oh, they told Paul to, uh, Paul told Timothy that he should drink some, some small wine, so, I mean, let me, it's just small wine. Before you realize, you have crates. Please, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. It says, the son of man has come eating and drinking. He was eating and drinking. Drinking what? Drinking wine. And you say, behold, a glutinous man and a wine biber and a friend of publicans and sinners. Let's, let's read uh, other versions so that you understand it. The son of man came feasting and you say, here is a lover of food and wine. Food and what? A friend of tax farmers and sinners. I know those who, I, this guy is just, Jesus was drinking. Oh, what is your problem? Let me also drink. Please. Advise yourself. That one beer will become 75 beers. Maybe you can say something. I don't know if you're interested. I'm just trying to say the other so that if someone shows you these verses, you say that, oh, I know it's there, but. If you are truthful to yourself, why do you want to, why do you want to drink? No, seriously, it's the truth of why you want to do what you want to do anyway. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a reason for it. You want to do it because of something. Okay, so ask yourself, why do I want to drink? You just want to enjoy. Ah, okay, it's on to you. Did you get it? And this, these things are, very fine lines, okay? They are fine lines. It won't, you won't go to hell, but be careful. Look chapter 21, verse 34. So Jesus himself, the one you say was a wine, whatever. He didn't, he didn't call himself a wine. He Bible. didn't. So if, even what the people saw was probably not right. Yes, because he was. Accusation. Yeah. You know, but they say that he himself said that he came drinking. He came eating and drinking. That's why I'm saying it. Because okay. uh-huh. he himself said, the son of man came eating and drinking. What was he drinking? Wine. There are many versions that say okay. drinking wine. And he said it himself. And you say that. He's like this and he's like this and he's like that. Okay? Uh-huh. By you, I'm coming. Let me show them there. No you can say. Look at. Look. Look what? 2134. It says, and take heed to yourselves. Oh, let's let's read BBA. It's fine. But give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull of pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life. That, that, and that day may come on you suddenly and take you as in a net. Isn't it? So God wants you, he wants your attention, he wants your mind, he wants your heart. Drinking, or, and you'll be surprised that you, you will not take one. You will not take, I mean, when it's nine, when, you, when it starts becoming nice for you, before you realize, you are a boozite, serious boozite. Who cannot think? Hmm? 
a famous preacher in this country said that the day a beer bottle came into his father's life, that was it. It ended. The father was not a drunkard at all. He was a very wonderful man, everything, until some people started saying some of these things. And he decided to take taste one, and that was it. He used, he used all his money, including his school fees, for, for booze. That's the problem. That is the problem. So I don't know about you. Uh, it's very expensive. There are things that are very expensive. Drinking is very expensive. Or you don't know. A bottle of something. Whiskey. Red label. Black label. Hmm. So, blue label. I don't know which one you are into, but... Before you realize, your heart is overcharged. Say, I don't know if you want to say something. Daddy, please, you've said everything. But just to bring your mind to the fact that we are to live self-controlled lives. You know, people, when, the, most of these questions come up when you have lost focus. When you are on what you are supposed to be, a number of things do not get your attention. I think at the time we're talking about distractions. There are many things that distract. If you keep looking for, it's like you are going, you are going somewhere and you are trying to uh, look for all the other things on the road. The thing is, I'm going somewhere. When you are focused on something, there are other things you don't get in, interested in. If I'm going out of this door, I'll not be looking at whether the chairs here were arranged well or not. I'm going through the door. So it doesn't become a problem. But if I don't know where I'm going, I start taking notice of so many different things and I start getting distracted. And it's just like what happened to Adam. You know, the tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. So it's like getting distracted from what he was asked to do to other things that we can be doing. And so at the end of the day, you go off. Does it make sense? So most of these things are as a result of not focusing on what you're supposed to do. I wanted to show a scripture about Jesus. Um, Mark chapter 3, verse 20. He said, oh, Jesus was eating all the time. He was eating all the time. So uh, as a Christian, you must eat. That, that can be another thing you will say. Yeah. And then you make, you, you see, you're not reading the Bible and you're not focused on what Jesus is, was, his focus was. If you're focused with what Jesus was focused on, you understand what you're saying. You say that, oh, Jesus went to uh, Zacchaeus' house to call for a party and all that. So I mean, to go into people's house for different parties. But he went there for a reason. You don't have the same, you, you cause your mind is not the same thing. You are going to the same place, but it's now having an adverse effect on you. Now, Jesus is Jesus saying that you're being said to eat and drink. But here he says, and the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. This one too is also what was happening in his life. Look at the next verse. It was so much that, and when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he's beside himself. This was what he was, he was so focused on something that, what did some people were describing him to be, or to be involved in? That was not what he was focused on. His focus was not drinking or eating. His focus on the word of God. Even the devil came to tell him that you are hungry, turn stone into bread and eat. He said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he shows that even at the beginning, before any other thing happens, that the main thing you should focus on is the word of God. You haven't eaten from what God is saying. He says, give us this day our daily bread. On a daily basis, there's something God is giving you. On a daily basis, it's like manna. Everything, every time, there's something God is showing you to do or to enter into. When your mind is focused on that, there are a lot of things that do not distract you. He said, do not move. One, somebody told me that recently. He said many times in the scriptures, you see, do not move to the right or to the left. 
because when you go right, you can also go off. If you go left, you can go off. Just stay on what he's asking you to stay on. It delivers you. You will not be concerned about so many different things. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. What a blessing. Yes. So your attention is very... I mean, God wants your attention. I mean, there's something more. It's not drink this one, this one. There's something more than that that God wants for you. See, all these things take your attention. Before long, you have changed. And you come to church and you are, you are drunk. Something people are having a challenge with. Why do you want to go, go into it? People are inside. They are not happy. They want to come out. Young people. I know a young man, you know, who is, I mean, he's trying to stop the drinking. He couldn't finish uh, university. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about. He couldn't finish. He's addicted to it. He's been taken to for rehab four times. Four times. Because of drinking. I initially I thought it was smoking weed. But apparently weed is not part at all. It's just booze. And the things they mix to drink. Something he mixes to drink. Yes. Different types of things that he mixes to drink. That is destroying. He couldn't finish university. Brilliant guy. Secondary school, he had about... Is this seven A's or something like that? He couldn't finish university. And he's now a, a, a problem at home. His mother is afraid of him. Leaving him with his mother is a problem because he can beat the mother. Yeah, I'm not lying to you. My wife knows who I'm talking about. It's a major problem. And it's, it's all because he started with one bottle. I don't know about it, if you are interested. Because there are many scriptures in the Bible. Solomon was drinking. David was drinking. All of them were drinking. I don't know if you are interested. Honor God with your body. With your mind. The New Testament is about honoring God. Okay? You don't just go, oh, these people were, they were just drinking. You are, you are getting drunk. What are you talking about? And it's denying you of a lot of things. The time you could have spent meditating and not having a certain type of problem in your life. Now you have those types of problems in your life. Oh, I'm, a recre- I'm, an, I'm an occasional drinker. It's changing. It's changing. When I meet my, guy, my guys, then we drink. You'd be shocked. You're getting many occasions. Before long, you have changed completely and it's become a medical issue. You are spoiling your liver. We all know the impact it has on our liver. Don't we know? We know. Already we know. You see, so I don't know about you. You can have many reasons. Oh, is this, is this, this, the best, there are Bible verses that say this, this, this. How about preaching the gospel? How about that one? How about shepherding? How about praying? How about all those things, my dear Stan? No, Stan. You can ask me after. Okay. Yes. How about all those things? Do you see? So, Please, let wisdom, because wisdom is profitable to direct. Yes. Sex was created by God. Isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's to be had in a certain confines. Yeah. Before the devil came, I mean, it was God who put it there. But you just can't misbehave with it. Isn't it? Everything, that, everything, every nice thing we have in this world was created by God. But you can't take someone's property. You can't come and take someone's phone and say that I needed it. What is wrong with the all things are yours? Are you mad? You don't do that. So allow the wisdom of God to 
to direct you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's kindly rise up on our feet. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.